Hey, everybody. Bleeding Claire and Cobalt back at you post New York City FC draw post Chicho Arango introduction. And prior to our trip to D.C. United this weekend, my first trip to Audi Field. Excited to go see what's happening there. We'll get into all that and much, much more right now. Bleeding Claire and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club, and they care about you. Okay, Trey Fitzgerald, your host, Ryan Hale, your super producer. And Ryan, obviously, let's just start with, I think, a pretty disappointing 0-0 scoreless draw at home before a packed house at America First Field in Sandy. First 30 minutes of that game, it looked like RSL could have been up 4-5-0. I know a lot of people that I've talked to were like, man, just wish we had Chicho in there during this game to break it wide open. Hopefully those are the types of chances that we create for him. And look, nobody's innocent here. Uh, Rubio Rubin had a couple great chances. Danny Masofsky, um, Jefferson Savarino, Diego Luna, uh, Pablo Ruiz. Like There was just so much happening. I think you have to give the New York City goalkeeper a little bit of credit. He stood on his head. Um, Anderson Julio had a couple great one-on-one chances with him in the second half. Um, former RSL Academy kid, Barraza, uh, found a home in New York. I know that our uh, goalkeeper coach, um, Nacho, was very, very happy, but uh, I was joking with Pablo in the postgame media session that we need to tell Nacho to teach the dark arts to uh, kids that end up playing for <laughs> against us. I mean, just a crazy day at the stadium, and I think early that morning, uh, the official announcement came through that, that Chicho was signed uh, with RSL. He can play starting on July 8th. He's here. He's looking at homes. He's training with the team. He's doing all the assimilation and integration before he sets foot on the field. So that's kind of a rarity in the international uh, transfer windows and uh, for most teams, including ours. So it was just a great day watching Chicho do the march to the match with the fans and sign autographs and go to the team store and get introduced at halftime. I think there was just great energy in the building, but unfortunately on the field, you know, there's some bad officiating. Um, there's some questionable calls. I think everybody was, by the time the final whistle blew after 95 plus minutes or whatever of stoppage, 
there was just a ton of frustration. And, and honestly, I can't explain it, Ryan. I think we touched on it a little bit in our last show, but for this team right now to be so, I guess, mediocre is probably the word at home, not scoring goals, not winning games at a place where historically we average two points a game and, and win 70% of our games, like the last 17, 18 games in Sandy have been average. I think we're five wins, six losses, seven draws, something like that. This year, it's the fourth time we've been shut out at home. It's our fourth 0-0 draw overall. Two wins, four losses, three draws at home. Meanwhile, this team has figured it out on the road a little bit. Seven straight unbeaten on the road. That's obviously helped by Open Cup wins at Vegas, at Portland, at Colorado. But as we've heard Pablo Mastroeni say, as we get ready to go to D.C. and as we get ready to go to St. Louis next week, integrating 25 guys together and having them go on the road where they're eating every meal together, they're traveling, they're practicing, whatever. It's really, they've kind of galvanized on the road, uh, if you will. And and so just to peel back the curtain a little bit uh, for this week heading into D.C., we actually travel a day early. Typically, we travel Friday afternoons, but for this trip, we're traveling on uh, Thursday afternoon. So we'll train Thursday morning in Harriman. Then we hop on a plane midday, get to D.C., I think seven o'clock in the evening or so. They'll eat a team dinner. They'll do a video session, wake up Friday, train over at the University of Maryland, I think 10 or 11 o'clock. It's morning session. Day before game training sessions are usually pretty light, 45 minutes or an hour. A, a little bit of tactical stuff, mostly just finishing and, and getting the legs loose and getting ready for the game. Another video session uh, that evening after dinner. And then um, and then Saturday on the road, they're usually pretty mellow days. Guys get up, eat breakfast. They do a team walk around 1045, 11 o'clock the day of a game. Uh, there's a couple different meal periods so guys can eat um, when they want because they all know their bodies and and everybody's different. There'll be another video session right before they get on the bus at 5.30, uh, get to the stadium at 6, and then kickoff is at 7.30 local. So that's 5.30 Mountain Time on Saturday, and, and you'll catch that game on Apple, KSL Radio, all the usual spots. But that's sort of what a road trip looks like. There's a lot of downtime. The reason we're traveling Thursday is because you're traveling two time zones. So you usually travel one time zone for or one day for each time zone you're traveling. So when we go to Toronto here at, at the beginning of July, we'll probably leave on a Thursday for that one as well. Uh, we'll come back Saturday night, spend Sunday and Monday in Utah. There probably will be a pretty light training session on Monday in Harriman and then uh, train in Harriman and then go to St. Louis on Tuesday, a little bit later flight because it's shorter and you're only traveling to the central time zone. So you get to St. Louis around six o'clock. Again, team dinner, team walk in the morning couple different uh, meal periods, and then off to the stadium for yet another midweek game. We only get one week without a Wednesday game here after playing on Wednesdays for the last six weeks. And as disappointing as that 0-0 draw against New York was, Rye, I think it was, um, if you look back at the 14 games played in the 48 days leading up to that New York game and including that New York game, you had eight wins, Sorry, seven wins, three losses, four draws, I think, in that time. But, um, oh, no, only two losses. My bad. So to go to go 14 games in 48 days and only lose twice, that's pretty impressive. But, again, a, a scoreless draw at home, getting shut out at home, 
not sending the home fans uh, home with with three points is always disappointing. So especially against a New York team that has not been doing well. You know, the week prior, 10 days prior, we lose to an LA Galaxy team at home. Now, as I said a few weeks ago, I'd much rather win the Open Cup game against the Galaxy, uh, which is truly an elimination game as opposed to a league game. But those are two kind of, I think, bitter setbacks at home uh, for a team that otherwise has been flying pretty high. Because when when you look back at the week where you get seven points in Colorado and Minnesota in, in eight days, uh, you look at the you know the comeback against Portland twice from from down one nothing and down three two to win that game. Uh, the 120 minutes in Vegas, certainly the the two one at Austin during a lightning delay, massive massively unexpected. So uh, seven games unbeaten on the road. There's no secret to the sauce. Uh, Pablo gets asked about it all the time, and he's like, "No, our guys are just fighting for each other." And and this week with DC and and then later St Louis. You've got to play those games without Savarino, without Rubio Rubin, without Brian Ojeda, and um, without Anderson Julio. So those are four critical pieces, three on the attack. Um, and look, we're all very proud that Julio's uh, getting the chance to represent Ecuador for the first time in his career. Obviously, Ojeda being a young selection for a very good Paraguay team, that's massive. Savarino is is kind of a uh, write-in starter for Venezuela and has been for several years. And then Rubin now is a key piece of the Guatemala setup as they get ready for the for the Gold Cup. So will we miss those guys in D.C. and St. Louis? Absolutely. But it's just an opportunity for a Bertan Jacquesson, a Jasper Loffelson, a Michael Chang, a Diego Luna, um, and, and many, many others to to get a chance to show uh, what they've got and what they're able to do. And again, the nice thing about this Open Cup run is all those guys have already gotten chances to show what they can do. And so like Pablo says, it's not about one guy. It's about partnerships and combinations. So Demir and Danny, how do they look up top together? How does it, how does it look uh, when you add, uh, again, Diego into the midfield or Jasper into the pivot or uh, you know just adding those, who's going to come off the bench and and play that Julio role um, is that Berton, you know? Uh, so I just think there's a lot of interesting lineup questions that are asked because of the international duty. But I'm excited to to go to DC. I've never been to Audi Field before. RSL was there in 2017, lost five zero, if you can believe it. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. Super excited next week to go to St. Louis. Uh, everything that they've displayed. Um, looks to be game changing as far as MLS goes, and uh, as Pablo and some of the guys mentioned in their media availability on Monday, or sorry Tuesday, uh, the opportunity to go into there and maybe give them a little payback for what they did here back in uh, in mid March uh, for nothing win in Sandy is uh, is a motivating factor. So that's uh, that's kind of the thirty thousand foot view as we head off to DC. It did feel like the going to those both games last week. I don't know. There's a lot of energy there. And I think, you know, that kind of led to the the feeling of, of frustration towards the end. I think all, you know, all draws kind of, you know, leave with that taste in your mouth, but people were on every play. There was those, those moments when uh, the ball just sailed a little bit wide. Oh man, you could feel it all over the stadium. Uh, supporters were, you know, top of their game, I think too. It was as, as many people in the supporter section that I've seen for a while too. So I think we're, we're in a place right now where we're looking 
this this team is this team has the, the support it needs. I think people are ready to like just explode, just go crazy, RSL fever. I think it's it's waiting, and I think the problem is that that's waiting on these goals to happen. And we're just you know we're watching these games, we're seeing these guys get in these dangerous places, we're seeing the the chances just be wanting, just like literally inches. You know, when you talk about what is Chicho going to do to this um, to this lineup. Mm-hmm. Have somebody to put somebody like him with his quality to put those chances that are coming constantly. I think that's the thing about this RSL team, finding that key ingredient that's going to bring the things together to tie the different pieces mm-hmm. together. I don't know. I love seeing Diego Luna in this game. I think as a starter in this game, I think he was like as most people are His looking first for. First thirty minutes, he was amazing. The progress we're seeing with Diego Luna mm-hmm. is evolving. Like those, you know, these great thirty minute stretches. Yeah, he played sixty minutes. I think that's where he came out. Right. I think that that's yeah, when that's he came about out. right. It seems like he'll find a groove and then he'll get a roadblock. You know, I think that's kind of where he gets to. Um, as he becomes more creative and understands the league, I think that those that the teams will be less likely to be able to put a stop in like what he's doing because he, he's he's somebody who gets the ball and you see the options explode around mm-hmm. him. And I think he's seeing those. I think that people are just like playing him a little bit tight. And I think that when he's being played tight by MLS, you know, midfielders and defenders, I think mm-hmm. he he's obviously capable to deal with that. I just don't think he's had enough. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because as I was watching him during the game, and look, it's great that he's come back from the U20 tournament just kind of flying, right, in, in its confidence and its speed of play, speed of decision-making. Um, there were points in that game against New York where you could kind of tell he was a little surprised that he didn't have as much time or space. Yeah, that's kind of And that's natural because, and this has always been the criticism, not just of him, but of anybody coming from that level. Like, okay, you dominate against your peers, but how is it when you go up a level? And we talk about this with guys coming from the Monarchs and USL in the past. It's all There's always an adjustment um, in speed of play, time of space, because, you know, when you're at, I don't know, U20 level, U23, college, USL, MLS Next Pro, all those have different levels. And then when you get to MLS, you can't defensively give a guy two inches of space because you'll get punished. Whereas some of those other levels, you can get away against a player of lesser talent of six inches of space or whatever. So it's a progression. But I I was so impressed by what I saw from Diego. Again, he's playing out on the left wing. He's drifting inside because that's his natural tendency. You know, every game is a learning experience for him, just like it was for Andrew Brody or Bodie Hidalgo or Jasper Loffelson, or Berton Jacquesson, as we've seen this year, Emeka Anelli, uh, whether he's playing right back or in the pivot, every game is, is, it makes him that much better. And, you know, it's hard to replicate that. You see this a lot in any sport where guys are coming back from injury and they're taking reps and they're doing things at game speed, but it's impossible to replicate a real game speed Till you actually get in the game. So what I'm excited about for a guy like Chicho, who has had a ton of success everywhere he's been, but especially in MLS, it's exciting to think about how he's going to make Saverino better, Gomez better, Rubin better, Luna better. He's played with Danny Masofsky before. So how do, what does that combination look like? Playing with Julio, playing with Berton, playing with anybody like um, and then, you know, the, the window does open July 5th. So Chicho presumably can play July 8th. And if there's another move or two up Elliot and Kurt and Pablo's sleeve to, to improve this roster even more in July, 
um, going into the League's Cup, which starts, I think, July 22nd for RSL. Um, you've got the Open Cup semi in Houston on August 23rd. This team could look a little different by then. As we've talked about, there is a decision to be made on Brian Ojeda by the end of July. That's going to be, I think, purely a financial decision because Brian wants to be here. I believe we want him. Um, so it's just going to come down to doing what is best for the team economically, both in the short term and in the long term. So uh, I think these are exciting times, especially if RSL can go off, get points in D.C. and St. Louis, come back home June 24th against Minnesota. You go to Toronto July 1st, and then Chicho makes his debut July 8th at home against Orlando. Potentially other players that come in in this secondary window. Who knows? Maybe they'll be ready on uh, on July 8th as well, So, or at least by the League's Cup. So it's just um, exciting times here at RSL. Yeah, this is an interesting stretch, too. We've been talking a lot about just the amount of matches that we've been going through in the last month. But here we have two East Coast trips within a week of each other, two weeks of each other, with a central time zone, St. Louis, in the middle there. It looks like we've got Sporting KC, Sporting KC coming up at home here. That's going to be... When is this KC game? Uh, the 12th. Of July? Yeah. But then uh, we got the Red Bulls at home. Um, it feels like every chunk of the season that we've been talking about has been full of its you know, interesting MLSE caveats. And so I think just these... Uh, string of east coast trips i think that those traditionally i don't think any team performs at the top of their abilities on a multiple east coast trip stretch but i guess i I do think that there's this is like like again we've been talking about you know this whole year this it's like we need to see these performances from guys that are stepping up because of the stretch the how the the lineup's getting stretched and i think we're going to see some of these like this is like we're talking about this is that um this game specifically with players gone well, I asked Pablo yesterday, like with the way Luna has come back from his national team experience, just buzzing, just flying, just, you know, kicking everything into another gear. What a great opportunity to have for those other four guys when they come back. I think Rubin's probably gone the longest because Guatemala goes from these uh, friendly games, I think, into their Gold Cup or Nations League, excuse me. But Saverino, Ojeda, and Julio should all only miss these next two games on the road. But whenever they come back into the group, they're going to be playing and thinking and making decisions just at a higher level, at a quicker level. And that's only going to benefit the rest of the group, hopefully. And it, hopefully it shows up in these MLS results upcoming. I think we did bring this one, this one matchup, but it's a historical RSL matchup. And I think we just, we said it was in Vancouver. It was just one of those games it was in a similar situation where everybody was gone to national team. I believe actually like the, that was when Kyle and Nick were off to world cup. I think this is when this happened. It's the 14. Yeah. So anyway, this, and then they go up to the, the Vancouver one that I remember was the one that was three days before the open cup final oh, that's in, the one, yeah. in 2013. And that was, and Jason's basically sent a B team up to Vancouver. It was, Sebastian Velasquez and Devin Sandoval and a very young, um, like Chris Schuler maybe, Rashawn McKenzie, one of those Bofo backup. Was in there. Was he in What's there? that? Was Bofo there? Jeff um, Antonella, I know. Was he the... probably wasn't there that long ago, but it was just amazing. They they win one nothing, and then all of our like marquee guys, like you said, Kyle, Nick, um, you know, Grabovoy, um. Several others, Will Johnson, they were all rested 
you know, for the Open Cup final. We ended up losing. And that's why I'm so excited about what may happen in the Open Cup this year is because the opportunity to raise a trophy at home is so rare. And if RSL can get past Houston on August 23rd, you're back home September 27th in a game that could include Messi, might not, might just be a red-hot Cincinnati team. But either way, as we saw in Denver the other night with the Nuggets, there's just something so incredibly special about um, raising a trophy at home. Again, these opportunities don't come along very often. The fact that RSL had the opportunity in both 2011 and 2013 to raise a cup at home and failed both times, maybe the third time's the charm, maybe the third time is this year. That's why I'm so excited about it. But as Pablo keeps telling me, one game at a time. He yeah, doesn't want to sure. get ahead. Uh, we all, the rest of us have to get ahead because yeah. the possibility of Messi coming to Sandy uh, in late September, it's just going to be chaos. and yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, the eyes of the world will truly be on Sandy, Utah that night. But uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do uh, to make that a possibility. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things that you need to do, and a lot of things that are going to happen between now and then too. We got the month of July of MLS, and then you have the whole League's Cup, which I think we'll we'll dive into once it starts to become a little more imminent. But I think there's a lot of big moments left in this season for sure. I mean, we're about. I think we're not quite to the halfway point of MLS season yet, but I think we're right at the yeah. halfway. I think we've played 17 games. So, so most teams are uh, 16, 17, yeah, 18. So we're just. I mean, right in the middle of it. But you know, there's so many different things. What this team is going to look like on the second half of the season. I think this is another theme of this podcast. I'm going back and looking through some of our old episodes. We kind of hit this point in the season. We're like, this next part of the season is going to be pretty fascinating because of what we've built, like what's been built up in the beginning, like in the in the first half. I think we could go back to like we've been doing this since 2021. So it's like 2021 was a wild season. Yeah, the second- but that's the other thing. Like you look at the standings now, and I I guess you have to look at the standings because they're the standings. It's still early. I mean, even though we're at the halfway point, we've been disappointing at home. I, I We're right under the playoff line, which sucks because you never want to be under it. But I think we're, we're six points out of third place in the West. Like, everything is so tightly packed. And so every point matters, home or away. And as we've seen in this very parody-driven league, if you can string together three results, nine points in three games, you either go straight up the table, or if you drop three in a row, you drop down like a stone. And that's just how it's going to be from now until decision day in mid-October. Teams around us are improving, but I think that there's also opportunities for this team to really to take you know take the reins in their hand and like really control the destiny. I guess it's hard to start talk about controlling destiny at midpoint of the season, but I really feel like this is when the if we get some results here, some road results in June will definitely pay off come October, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, big-time stuff. Um, you have any idea who's on the call for Apple this week? Yes. I just – it's uh, Devin Kerr, who people may know him from USL and Monarchs games in the past. And Tyler Terrens is the play-by-play. So, um, it's a couple Apple guys we've not yet uh, experienced this year. So, uh, but they are kind of mid-Atlantic DC base guys. So yeah. I'm sure it's their 10th DC United game that they've done. Um, a lot of New York fans were complaining that Max and Dunny sounded like they were doing a home 
RSL broadcast the other day. But. Well, there was not a lot of. I mean, I was I was kind of keen into that because I know Donnie's sensitive to that. He doesn't like being that right. that, that being thrown at him. They've just they've they've done what five or six games of ours. This yeah, year. and but also, I mean, Donnie knows as much about like <laughs> had New York been doing things worth talking about in that game. Yeah. Dunny would have given the yeah. depth of that. What was no, happening. it was one-way traffic for so 70% of that game. I feel like that that may be more the the culprit there in that situation. But go, in, go ahead and watch the whatever game Dunny is calling this week, and it will feel like he's doing a home, a home team. You know, it'll feel like he knows as much about that home team as, you know, anybody calling. Anyway, that's my, my thing. Um, let me just – I have this note that's been on my okay. note for the last month here. But – uh. Going back to the the soccer tournament, did you watch any of this? The the seven on seven. I did not watch any of it. Um, there was a game that involved that had a Nick Beesler yep. goal. Scored a great goal. Chandler Hoffman also scored in that goal. Interesting. Put them into a game against Nick Ramondo's team, which also included Taylor Pay, who's also on that team, and Chris Wingert. So anyway, there's a lot of RSL like it connected. Uh, and that, so that happened a few weeks ago, and I think I can't remember the team that won, but. I believe Delia put up on her stories the the uh, a shot of Nick Beasler going against Chad Ochocinco. That's awesome. <laughs> that was just you know one of the couple sur- of Kansas City legends. Yeah, one of the one of the surreal moments that only happens in soccer, even if it is you know these these weird tournaments. That, that tournament was actually pretty fun. Seeing some guys play that uh, you haven't heard you haven't heard their names for a while. I think it was was pretty interesting. But anyway, I just wanted to. It's been on my notes for like last month. So yeah. I just wanted to, like, to no, I didn't get into it. Out. I think. I probably would have gotten a little more into it if it wasn't happening when we were going yeah. Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Um, I, I followed some of that tournament through social media and stuff. Like, yeah, um, they were. I did. I did. Sit, I watched a couple. The game's like forty minutes. Like that's the the entire game is forty minutes, and they play last goal win. Like yeah, there's anyway. Okay. So it ends on a goal. It's kind of an interesting format, but it. But it was. I mean, it was for what it was. It was fun. I think that there's something to be said about like that kind of tournament. Um, there's been talks in the past of like Olympics or uh, including smaller team, like smaller side, like three on three basketball. Yeah, sure. Just to add more players, to add more you know people, add more trophies or medals or whatever. <laughs> but I think the seven on seven soccer is also something that's been considered. It is definitely a different game and you can totally see it. Like there's- They play it on a smaller field? Smaller field, smaller goals. Um, everything was, but it's, it's, it's faster and slower in some weird ways. But okay. You see some things like the old crafty guys sometimes beat out this, the young fast guys, and I think that's kind of what makes it a little intriguing. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that we we shouted out our guys that were the RSL family and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah it was pretty fun. Well, Trey, thanks for taking some time to, to no, talk to No, let's week. Uh, catch up next week in between sure. DC and St. Louis. Uh, maybe we'll do an emergency pod after St. Louis and before uh, Pride Night against Minnesota on June twenty fourth because. I am just so excited to go see that building and be a part of that atmosphere uh, that I've seen on TV and social media and stuff uh, in St. Louis. Uh, love to see the expansion clubs bring new energy, new flavor or whatever uh, to Major League Soccer. We'll see that in San Diego in a couple of years. And uh, who knows where MLS expansion goes after that. But uh, for RSL, like we mentioned earlier, maybe a little bit of revenge um, in both venues, in D.C. and in st louis in the next uh, week or so so exciting times thank you everybody for listening bleeding claret and cobalt brought to you by one fi- wire one wire fiber we couldn't do it without you we couldn't do it without adam sessions the man the myth the legend and uh congrats to adam and his boy fish who is uh headed off to play college soccer in the fall we'll get into that in a future episode a little more 
uh, as as fish heads off uh, to college. But um, download, share, subscribe. Please let us know your feedback on the socials at Claret Cobalt, Twitter and Instagram at Claret or Anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Use the message function right here and. Um, as always, you can email us, rsltrey at gmail.com. We appreciate you. We'll see you in Sandy in a couple weeks, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll all be celebrating uh, team success here in the next uh, couple road trips at D.C., at St. Louis. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.